It's June 2022. Welcome to another episode of Muse News, the BCMA's monthly museum sector news podcast. Each month, we recap the latest news, happenings, and announcements from museums, galleries, and heritage organizations across BC and beyond. I'm Ryan, and she's Lorenda. Join us as we explore the latest Muse News. Thanks, Ryan. Bizarre street names are as quintessentially Nanaimo as bathtub races and Nanaimo bars. People typically think I'm giving a fake address out, said Manuel Herzig, who lives on Twiggly Wiggly Road. That's just a few blocks from Jingle Pot Road. Across town, there's Bob O. Link Way and Bergen Op Zoom Drive, not to mention Dingle Bingle Hill Road. There's no official record for the town with the most unusual named streets per capita, but if there were, Nanaimo would surely take the crown. We don't mind being number one, said Mayor Leonard Krog, adding that it's not necessary to know the history behind the strange street names in order to enjoy them. It just sounds good, Krog says. It's like a politician's speech. If it sounds good, it doesn't matter what the content is. Of course, as the mayor, Krog does know the origins of many, if not all of the bizarre roads named in the city. And for those interested in learning more, the current exhibit in the Nanaimo Museum's Community Gallery showcases some of the city's stranger street names. Prepared by history students at Vancouver Island University, the word on the streets, Roads That Built Nanaimo, is on display until June 25th. Jingle Pot Road, according to the exhibit, is named for a tool used by coal miners. A jingle pot was a pot with a few stones in it attached to a rope. Miners pulled on the rope to make the pot make noise when they wanted to signal that it was time to start hoisting carts full of coal out of the mine. Bergen Op Zoom Drive gets its name from a town in the Netherlands that is home to a Canadian War Cemetery. Hundreds of Canadian soldiers who died during the Second World War are buried there. And Twiggly Wiggly Road? That's named for former mayor Frank Ney's daughter Monique, who had the nickname Twiggy. Ney was a resident land developer before he became mayor, and that role afforded him the opportunity to name many of the city's streets. Despite the confusion it sometimes causes, Herzig tells CTV News she wouldn't change her street's name to something more normal. I think it's unique, she said. Over to you, Ryan. Qualicum Beach Museum exhibit explores a dark chapter in Canadian history. Broken Promises explores the dispossession and internment of Japanese Canadians during the Second World War. A traveling national exhibit about a dark chapter in Canadian history is on display in Qualicum Beach Museum's newly renovated Powerhouse Heritage Building. Broken Promises explores the dispossession and internment of Japanese Canadians during the Second World War. It is designed by the Nikkei National Museum and Cultural Center and the University of Victoria's Landscapes of Injustice Research Project, according to a news release by the museum. Qualicum Beach Museum staff have also contributed four panels detailing the experience of Japanese Canadians living in the area at the time. Quote, multiple panels here examine a dark time in Canadian history, said Natanya Waddell, museum manager during the exhibit's launch on June 9th. Records that could offer insight into some residential schools in British Columbia are being handed over to the Royal BC Museum. Archives from the Sisters of St. Anne, which include information about day schools, residential schools, hospitals, and more, will be transferred to the museum. The religious group will also fully fund an archivist at the museum to manage those archives. The museum says they also plan to digitize the records, or at least those that can be digitized. Some of the content date back to as far as 1858 and may be too delicate to handle. Transparent access to comprehensive residential school records is essential to truth and reconciliation efforts, 
Museum CEO Alicia Dubois said in a media release. The Sisters of St. Anne was founded in Quebec in 1850 and moved to the West eight years later. Members of the order staffed four residential schools in BC, including the former Kamloops Indian Residential School, where more than 200 potential unmarked graves have been detected using ground-penetrating radar. Survivors from the school have shared stories of physical and sexual abuse. All of us carry just enormous regret and sorrow for the suffering that children who were in our care suffered, Sister Marie Zowry, President and Board Chair of the Sisters of St. Anne, told CBC. It's terrible to think that that happened when we were there and we didn't know about it. Last year, Zoroni told CBC that they had provided documents about the residential school system to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, but were unwilling to share some records outlining internal workings of the congregation. The museum says it has worked with the Sisters of St. Anne for a year now to get access to the full archives. Zoroni said she's been working to make the archives accessible since she joined the order in 1998. We recognize access to archives is just a single step towards reconciliation and that reconciliation begins with truth, Zoroni said. It is our belief that this transparent search for truth will lead to the way towards restorative healing. Archivist Genevieve Weber said the volume of records is not large and that there are no school registers or individual student files, but there is a lot of other information about the time the sisters spent at residential schools. Anyone will be able to access those through BC Archives. We will do everything in our power to provide access to as much information as we can, Weber said. Fort Nelson Museum Curator Receives Award of Recognition Marlon Marl Brown received a posthumous award of recognition from the BC Historical Federation on June 4th for his decades of service with the Fort Nelson Heritage Museum and Fort Nelson Historical Society. Brown's family accepted the award during the Federation's annual conference that was held online. Brown arrived in Fort Nelson in 1957 to work at the Royal Canadian Army Maintenance Camp as a mechanic, where he noticed many artifacts being thrown away. Quote, I've seen so much stuff destroyed, I just thought someone should hang on to a little bit of our history, Brown said in a video created by Destination British Columbia. Brown founded the Fort Nelson Historical Society in 1977 and was not only the first, but only curator of the Fort Nelson Heritage Museum, which opened in 1987. Marl was awarded the Canada 125 Medal in 1992, which recognizes Canadians who have made significant contributions to their fellow citizens, community, and Canada. In 2018, the BC Museums Association awarded Brown the Distinguished Service Award to recognize his contributions to the art, culture, and heritage fields. For five years, starting on July 1st, 2022, all children and youth 18 years older and under will be able to enjoy free admission anytime into the Vancouver Art Gallery. The program was announced today and is made possible by a 1 million donation from the April 1 Foundation of Vancouver. The donation goes towards subsidizing the forecasted lost revenue from providing youth with free admission. The gallery is a place that meet and share ideas. With the support of the April 1st Foundation of Vancouver, Thousands of children and youth 18 years old and under will have the opportunity to engage with art and foster their own creativity, said Anthony Kindle, director and CEO of the Vancouver Art Gallery, in a statement. Learning and community are among our core priorities. With this initiative and the launch of our new exhibit, Kids Take Over, the gallery is playing an active role in improving accessibility and fostering creative thinking and problem solving for all ages and backgrounds. 
We can't wait to welcome even more of our youngest visitors to the gallery. Free admission for youth also coincides with the Vancouver Art Gallery's recently launched exhibition, Kids Take Over, which runs until September 11, 2022. This exhibition showcases artworks from the gallery's collection alongside text and drawings by local students with the rotunda and alcoves transformed into dynamic, interactive spaces that feature regular programming for families and kids, including a workshop for teens led by artist Chantel Gibson. Currently, children aged 6 to 12 pay $6.50 to enter the Vancouver Art Gallery, while students, including post-secondary students, pay $18. Admission is already free for kids 5 years old and under. The new free youth admission program is in addition to the Vancouver Art Gallery's ongoing admission by donation period every Tuesday from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. available for all visitors. I made the wrong call. Horgan Scrap's $789 million Royal BC Museum rebuild. Following an outpouring of public backlash, the BC government announced its plans to halt the $789 million rebuild of Victoria's Royal BC Museum on Wednesday. Quote, we made choices based on the best information we had, and we thought we had it right. Clearly we did not, said Premier John Horgan during a June 22nd press conference. Quote, I've heard the people of BC quite clearly, and we were making the wrong decision at the wrong time. In mid-May, BC officials said the Royal BC Museum Belleville Street would close this September to make way for a state-of-the-art, seismically safe building expected to open in 2030. At the time, Horgan summed it up as an historic investment to build a safer, more inclusive, and more accessible modern museum, replacing the aging facility people have flocked to for decades. Now, Horgan says, quote, it's back to the drawing board. This means that the Royal BC Museum, including the IMAX Theatre, gift shops, and food trucks will stay open to visitors and museum staff as they rethink long-term plans and lead to broad public engagement to consider all options for the facility's future. Heritage Park Museum's new curator, Kennedy Newman, moved to Terrace in March and got started right away. She's excited to showcase Terrace history this summer through a renewed focus on community events and programming. The welcome and the support that I've gotten from the community and help and just figuring out what everything is has been incredible, Newman said. My main goal is to make it a welcoming, inclusive, and accessible space. The museum will run tours throughout the summer, and Newman helps to switch it up with different crafts and activities for families and children. Highlights include a vintage car show on Father's Day, St. Jean-Baptiste Day at the end of June, and a community day on July 1st, Canada Day. Riverboat Day's events for the August Long are also being figured out. I'm hoping to just have it open and get back into the swing of things. I want to build it up and get more and more involved with the community, Newman said of Heritage Park, which was placed in a subdued schedule because of COVID-19 restrictions and precautions. I'm just excited to get people back in here, and I know that community members love it, kids love it, and of course, seniors love it. Newman said she wants to continue the work of previous curator Kelsey Weeb, who built a strong foundation of educational programming. A lot of the people my age kind of grew up with the programming she established at the museum, like the Halloween stuff and Easter egg hunt and the summer programming, she said. Newman also wants to continue the work of her immediate pre predecessor, Anna Glass, by organizing the space and making plans to expand the museum's collections and archival space. She said an important part of caring for the museum's collection is to obtain appropriate storage space for objects donated by the public. Ultimately, we don't just collect objects from the people of Terrace, it's also that we're pretty much responsible for Terrace archives. She said building relationships of acknowledgement and respect with Indigenous people and more diverse representations are priorities. It is a very settler colonial museum and we're aware of that. That's still a really valid part of Terrace history and we're not going to get rid of it by any means, but there is an incredibly diverse population in the region. It's hard to represent that in this kind of space, Newman said.
In the long term, she hopes to make the museum more attractive to returning visitors with a more dynamic experience. Right now, the exhibit spaces haven't changed at all for years, maybe not even since they were originally put together, Newman said. Hopefully in the future, we'll have rotating pieces and different stories to tell and feature. Before making the move to Terrace, Newman interned at the Art Gallery of Greater Victoria and then worked on contract for the Burnaby Village Museum. I wanted to do something challenging and I found it, Newman said. I'm passionate about representing the community well and doing this space justice. Muse News will be taking a summer hiatus, but join us in September for the latest episode of Muse News.